Hello, and welcome to Building High Performance Cultures, a weekly series where we talk with executives from top organizations about how they've built high performance cultures and how they're leveraging their culture as competitive advantage. I'm Marty Parker, the President and Chief Executive Officer of Waterstone Human Capital, and I'm delighted today to introduce my guest, the President and CEO of Experigo, Dan Turner. Dan, welcome to Building High Performance Cultures. Thanks, Marty. Happy to be here. Delighted to have you. Now, I'll give you a little bit of, uh, of insight into Dan. So Dan joined Experigo in 2014 when he served as the Vice President of Business Development, in other words, responsible for all the sales and client relationships at Experigo. And then soon after, he became the Chief Operating Officer before being named the President and CEO in December of 2019. Perfect timing, Dan. You could have really yeah. just left that 60 days longer. <laughs> but since joining the, the, the organization, Dan has been instrumental in establishing Spirigo as a leading provider of customer experience management solutions to the automotive sector in North America. And under his leadership, Experigo has effectively implemented new platforms and best practices that have greatly operationalized performance and in, uh, embraced new capabilities that has allowed the business to scale exponentially. Now, with his people-first philosophy, Dan has played, placed, I should say, significant emphasis on cultivating high-performance culture at Experigo, which has resulted in numerous benefits and accolades for their business, including being named a 2020 Canada's Most Admired Corporate Cultures winner. So Dan, for people who aren't as familiar with Experigo, tell us about the organization and the culture that you've built there. Sure, thanks, Marty. Yeah, the, our organization, we've been, we've been around since 1992 and we really got started for the first kind of 20 years of the business, providing roadside assistance services to automotive companies. Um, and when automotive companies started offering up new car warranties and those warranties included roadside assistance, we were the company that was delivering that service. But over the last decade, that's really changed a lot. And we're now more, as you said, Marty, a customer experience management company. We provide a variety of, of those solutions across a number of, of, of different channels. And we provide them to not only automotive manufacturers, but also fleet companies and aftermarket automotive companies as well. And as, as the automotive, or, the, or should say, as the automobile has evolved over the last few years, uh, we've had to evolve with it as well. And that's really about becoming uh, more ingrained in the connected car environment. Um, you know, when everybody has that button that they press in their car, they're looking to hail some type of service or information. We want the, you know, our company to be on the other end of that. And for many manufacturers right now, we are the company that does that. So that's kind of what we do. And we feel we're really great at it because we've been doing it for almost 30 years. And we've had a 100% focus on, on the automotive industry through that whole time. From a cultural perspective, I think, you know, you, you use the two words that I say all the time. We're a people first culture. And I know that seems simplistic, but I think it really, you know, captures exactly what we try to do each and every day. And I would say that how we kind of support that people first culture is, you know, myself, the executive team, any of our, any of our leaders in the organization, they really, when we're making decisions, we really try to, to make sure that those decisions are considered, you know, by considering the impact that this will have on our team members. And by doing that, that's really helped us, you know, push the company in a direction where we're always doing the right thing for, for everybody on our team. Um, obviously that always needs to be balanced against the needs of the business. So we have to do that at times and sometimes tough decisions need to be made, but 
for the most part, what we always try to do is make sure that we're considering the impact that that will have on, on team members and trying to make it always as positive as possible. But the words that I like to use to describe our culture more than anything are positivity, support, transparency, and then the biggest one of all, which is trust. And, and that's the thing that we strive to do every day, not only um, where you know everybody, all of the team members at every level trust the leadership, but that each, buddy, each person on, on the team trusts each other and that they know that we've got their back. And if you can do that, then you're gonna deliver a strong culture and strong culture means high performance. And so that's why we make such a heavy investment into our culture. And, and you really have. And, and I know, Dan, that really just a, a few years ago, you led the organization. The organization went through a pretty significant culture transformation. Take us through that process, if you would, and, and what drove the decision that led to that change? Certainly. Well, what drove the decision really was a, a business that had been around for almost 25 years at that point, and it had been status quo for many of those years. And so the business didn't really change a lot, and uh, except that the, the market around them was changing rapidly. And so, you know, competition was increasing. The services and products that we offered were being commoditized, and it was really a, a tough time for Experigo. So at that point in time, you know, a decision was made to, you know, we need to push the reset button here. And, and by that, I mean, what kind of company do we want this to be to go forward? And what, not, not just that, but what kind of company do we want, not just to survive, but what kind of company do we want to have to thrive? So we hit the reset button and said, let's try and build this from the ground up in, in, a, in a way. And, you know, we, we, we took a look at all the things that we needed to do. And obviously transforming our culture was, was number one on that list. And as we jumped into trying to transform that culture, there was a, you know, a pretty, uh, a pretty good process that we went through to get there, which was the first step that we took was really asking clients, what are you looking for in a partner? Uh, and I think that was a great place to start because that's going to be what's going to you know, drive our success going forward for sure. So, you know, we gathered a bunch of really great information on what our, our current clients were looking for, what some of our prospective clients were looking for in a partner. And that started to mold, you know, the kind of company that we wanted to be. But then we went and asked that same question to the people working at Experigo at the time. What kind of company do you want this to be for us? This is an environment where we're all going to spend a lot of time. We're, we're, we all want to, you know, we're spending that much time together, maybe even more time here than we do with our own families. Uh, let's make it a positive one. So what should that look like? And so we started to get some feedback there. And as, as we started to collect all that feedback, we realized it was going to be very important that we establish a set of values and that those values be, you know, basically embedded in all of the things that we do going forward. And, the, and, the, and just establishing the values themselves, we tried to make sure that everybody in the organization had their fingerprints on it. So we made it a very collaborative effort. I think everybody at that point had kind of bought into what we were trying to do. And we create a, created a set of values that I think what's really great about them is that they're simple, they're easy to understand, and I think they're easy to incorporate into your everyday life. And just to run through those really quickly, the five values that, that we embedded into our organization were pursue excellence, earn trust, drive change, know more, and have fun. And as I said earlier, I think, you know, from a cultural perspective, the most important one of those, although they're all important, the most important one is earn trust. And, and if, you can, if you can gain the trust of everybody in the organization, um, that's when, the, when things really start to blossom from a cultural perspective. And I, I always like to say, Marty, that there's no magic formula, at least I don't think there's a magic formula that is doing this. 
what I try to do when, when, I'm, when I'm thinking about culture and the things that we want to do to continue to foster a great culture is to make sure that number one, we're caring about people and number two, that you're being genuine. And that's some of the best advice that I've gotten earlier on in my career was to be genuine, be yourself. Because anytime that you try to be something that you're not, uh, people see through that pretty quick. And, and, and I think that uh, any leader should, should continue to think that way. And we try to promote that within our organization as well. So that's been kind of the, the secret sauce of, of, of if, you know, if you want to call it that, uh, of, of how we've been able to build our culture to where it is today. You bet. And that is a real, what we call a culturepreneur operating system. You know, you're putting culture at the center of, of your strategy by getting information from your, you know, your key customers, your team, setting your values, and then living your values and monitoring that through the way. So I'd love to know, Dan, I mean, what have been, what's been the result of, of this focus on changing, evolving in a very purposeful way, your culture, where has that brought you today? Wow, that's a, that's a tough question to answer because there's so many different aspects of that. I, I think what we have today is, you know, as I said earlier, I, I believe that culture is so, and I know you do as well, Marty, is so uh, intimately connected to performance that, you know, we really start to look at culture as being one of the main drivers of, of the business. In fact, you know, you mentioned about, about strategy, you know, this year for the very first time, and, and I wasn't quite sure how it would be received but we made culture one of the one of the key strategic pillars within our within our strategic plan. And I had never seen that in another business that I've been a part of before, nor had we done that at Experigo in the past. But I just came to the realization over the last several years that cultural so, culture is so important that it needs to be a part of that strategy. And so, you know, here we have it as part of our three year strategy. We discuss it regularly. I have an executive huddle with my team every morning at 10 a.m. where we talk about what are we doing to, to drive culture forward today? And, and the changes that it's allowed us to do, I think, obviously, with the last year being, you know, a pandemic, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is resiliency. You know, what we saw with the culture when, when the pandemic hit, we saw a bunch of, of, of team members, everybody in the company, uh, actually, just rally around a cause. And everybody was determined that we would not let this impact not only the performance of our organization, but the great culture that we had built. And, and everybody started contributing in a much bigger way than they ever had before. And it was very, you know, for me to sit back as the CEO and watch this happen was so rewarding. And I, and I, and I, I kind of brag about my team and, and I give them kudos all the time because they're the ones who kind of embraced that and, and made that happen. And, and so, you know, this last year, we've continued to be rather successful in an environment that wasn't uh, set up to, to, to give us any success. And that's because the team has just uh, gone above and beyond. The other great thing that I've seen is just the amount of collaboration and teamwork that takes place now. Um, you know, we have new members that, that join the team uh, regularly, obviously. And I try to meet with each one of them within the first couple of weeks of their being here in the organization. And some of the feedback that I've gotten recently is like within four days of being here, I've had people tell me, this is like family. Like, I don't know how you guys do this because it, it feels like everybody's drank the Kool-Aid. And I know that that's kind of got a negative connotation to it, but but that's, uh, that's how people feel. And, you know, the, the other comments that were made was, you know, I, I feel like there's no pettiness here at Experigo. There's no backstabbing. Everybody takes care of each other. Everybody's got your back. Everybody wants you to succeed. And those are the things that have really propelled us to a whole new level, not only from a cultural perspective, but just in the performance of our business alone. 
we now get stuff done and we get it done at a very high level. And everybody's proud of what we do. Everybody wants us to succeed. Everybody is can't wait to get the next update. I do regular uh, CEO messages that go out via video, much like we're doing right now and, and uh, do those on a monthly basis. We also do uh, the, the virtual town halls and people can't wait to hear the next update. What great things do we have going on now? And, and Marty, just to uh, give you some 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 uh, uh, you know understanding of how important it is to receive the Canada's Most Admired Award. When when we announced that, um, everybody was so excited in the organization because they know that we've been pushing really hard to have this type of culture, and they know what it means to us. And so to be recognized for it, everybody everybody was very very appreciative and, and very excited uh, that that had happened. Yeah, and that's outstanding because you you this just didn't happen in, in a minute or a day, right? It was, no. it was a purposeful focused effort over time. And, and you can just get a sense of it when you talk about so many things you're doing to align, not only your team and your team is doing in the organization. Um, what uh, your brand promise is interesting and it is life is better here. Life is better here. How has that promise really been shaped by the culture at Xperigo. Yeah, I think that, you know, maybe I should start by how we came up with that in the first place. And, and really it was, we were expanding the business. We had grown so much. <clears throat> we had to uh, open up a second location and primarily that location, which is now out in, in Moncton, New Brunswick is, is basically our production center where a lot of our, our frontline customer experience management specialists are out there taking care of our, our clients, customers. And we knew that that was going to be a competitive market. There's a lot of companies out in that area doing a, a similar type of work. And, and we knew that we had to attract talent. And, you know, that's when we came up with that is to let them know that we're not the, the regular run of the mill kind of contact center type of organization that, you know, we are different and that life is better here. And, and so how we reflect that is, is really in everything we do, Marty. Um, like I said, every decision we make is how can we make life better for our team members? How can we make uh, everybody feel like they have a strong life work balance? And, and you know, even through this pandemic, when that clearly created some challenges for people, we had some people who, you know, they, they weren't able to go to a home office and we didn't want them to go into the office and, you know, in the middle of this pandemic. So, you know, we said, no problem. We're going to, we're going to figure it out. And we allowed those people to, you know, they, they actually didn't work for several weeks while we figured it out for them. And, and these are the types of things that we say that, you know, life is, instead of, pulling the trigger on a very negative, potential, potentially negative decision, we try to find the positive way to get to it. And, and if we keep doing that, you know, what we've discovered is everybody does feel that they've now got a better life. And if, and if they don't, the great thing about it is that we're constantly asking them, what can we do to make life better for you? We do that through all of our engagement and cultural surveys. We do that through the, the, the various connections that we have with them. We have a series of communications and interviews that we do you know, I, I found it funny that in the past, and most companies do this, they'll do an exit interview to find out why somebody left. What we've done is we said, why are people staying? And what do we got to do to keep them staying? And so we've started what we call stay interviews. And, and I don't know if that's a common term or not, but that's something that we've been doing regularly to, to understand what exactly can, you know, are we delivering a better life for you? And, and, and what do we need to do to continue to build that life for you? So, you know, it's really about everything that we do as we as we you know, uh, consider the new directions, you know, this, this business is constantly changing and as, as it changes, we're constantly considering 
How can we do it in a way that makes things better for everybody at Experigo? What a great thing to do. Stay interviews. No, it's not common, uh, but it should be. That is fantastic. I love the idea of that, Dan. Um, now, Experigo's also experienced some significant growth in the last few years. In fact, it's tripled. So as a leader, how do you ensure that you can scale this culture that you've created and still be high performing without losing what makes your culture unique? And in fact, what it is about that culture that's helped you get there. Yeah, well, I can tell you, Marty, that when we expanded our operations out into Moncton, that was one of our biggest concerns because the Moncton site is now much larger than our original office here in the Toronto area. And so how do we maintain a culture that's, you know, uh, on the other side of the country with more people having the opportunity to influence that culture? And so we really kind of thought through that one to try and figure out what can we do. And, and so, you know, of course we had the branding of life is better here. And so we were hoping that through that and through our recruiting process that we would attract the right people. But beyond that, what we tried to do was, you know, one of the things that we did is made sure that there was lots of interactions between the, 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 the people that are in our, our Markham office versus the people that are in the Moncton office. And so there was lots of visits by leadership, of course. You know, we went out there many times in the very beginning, and we tried to do that regularly anyways. We did some cross-pollination where we had people from our Toronto office uh, go out to the East Coast and spend time with our, our new team members there. We brought in new team members, particularly the leaders of that organization, into our Toronto office so they could get immersed and spend a couple of weeks with us. And on top of that, Marty, you know, we have a, we have a very documented process. We're ISO certified, which is, which, is, which is great, and our clients love that, but we have a, a business management system where all of our processes get documented. And so you know, we are able to kind of lift and shift all of the things that we do that make us who we are, um, and, able to, and they're able to you know, pick that up in Moncton immediately. And, and the really interesting part of all of this is that you know, after getting the Moncton office up and running, they hit the ground running so quickly, I, I was actually shocked because they were performing at the same level as our Toronto office within the first couple of weeks. So we were very successful in doing that. But, but we still have that concern, Marty, as we move forward. I think we've built a culture that's you know, very similar in both locations. And as we continue to expand, how do we continue to make that happen? And, and we really try to do that through a lot of communication. We find lots of ways to communicate we try to make sure, you know, one of the things that can happen very easily, sometimes it happens between departments and sometimes it happens between locations where you start feeling like you're a different team. And so, you know, I started hearing people say, well, I, I'm on the sales team and the technology team and, and the Moncton team and the Markham team. And, and I, when I kept hearing all that, I, I, I said, well, I get, I get a little bit uh, frustrated when I hear people calling out individual teams within what I believe is one singular team. And so we created this thing that we called the X1 Task Force. And the X1 Task Force was formed for the purposes of breaking down silos, whether that's department to department or location to location, and making sure, putting in, in best practices and making sure that everybody's cognizant that when we're moving forward with initiatives or communications, that we're doing it from a one team perspective. And I have found that that's been really helpful we, you know, the really cool part of this, Marty, is that I don't hear anybody anymore call themselves the sales team. It's now the sales department, which I, I like a lot better because the team is Experigo. And now that we've kind of, you know, and it sounds like it's, uh, that, that that's quite a simple thing to do. And how could that have such a big impact? But it has. And, and so that's one of the ways where we're trying to monitor to make sure 
And that's the, 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 the singular mandate of that task force is to make sure that culture is the same for everybody, no matter how big we get or how many more offices we open, it'll be the same in every location. Not an easy task, but I, I think we're doing a good job of it. Yeah, and a noble cause. Hard to do, as you said, but a noble cause. Dan, I, I got to ask you, what, looking back, and there's a lot more looking forward, I know, at Experigo than looking back, but what is the one thing you've learned about transitioning your culture that you wished you'd known at the start of the process? Uh, I guess I would have learned, I, I wish I would have known at the time just how important it was. I think that uh, we, we've, we've taken a number of years to kind of figure out, you know, as I said, we've now made it a part of our, our, our three-year strategy. Uh, but, you know, we've now realized just how important it is to our organization uh, to not only continue to attract the best talent and retain the best talent, but to continue to perform at the high level that we've been performing at. And I think if we would have gotten that right out of the gate and just known how powerful that was, that uh, we'd probably be further ahead than we are today. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've had some challenges in the past that uh, we probably could have overcome a lot better than, than we did at the time. You know, and, and I've seen that through the pandemic. The one thing that I've seen happen, Marty, is just the level of resiliency that that's given us. And, you know, I, I believe now that, you know, what I've, what I've seen through this pandemic is that we can tackle any challenge. And in the past, some of the challenges, they were exactly that. They were very challenging. And, and uh, I think if we would have known and just made a, a more concerted effort to stay more focused on the culture, which is what we're trying to do now, I think that would have made life a little bit easier on us uh, in the past. So that's probably the one area that I'd, I'd probably wish we could uh, go back and, and redo. That's a great one too. Um, I know at Expergo that you use behavioral assess uh, assessments as part of your hiring process. So talk about why those are so important to you and, and how do you use them to hire for fit? Yeah, and I think they're just one tool in a toolbox of things that we do. And we don't, you know, we don't necessarily have a black and white kind of uh, indicator of whether somebody uh, will, will be able to join our organization or not. But, but it does give you some good insight. It gives you some insight into somebody um, you know, on, on the type of personality they have, the way that they like to be managed, the way that they like to interact with team members. And, and that provides insight into whether we believe they'll fit into our organization or not. And so we've been using those tools as well as some others. You know, one of the things that we like to say is, you know, you can, you can teach skills, you can't teach fit for culture. So, you know, we'll, we'd much rather hire somebody who maybe doesn't check all the boxes on the you know, the, 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 the ability to do the job part. I mean, and some of that stuff hopefully, excuse me, can be taught. But what we really focus on is making sure they're a cultural fit. So that, that assessment tool really helps us. And then from there, if we believe that they, that they will be a good fit, and at that point, it's really just directional, then we have them go through a series of interviews where I don't even like to call them interviews, really. They're more like discussions where they sit down with members of our team and we do this, you know, we'll, we, we might have two or three different sessions with somebody where they'll sit down with a couple of different members of the team in, in those sessions. And really what that's about is just to have a discussion, find out what they're all about, what they're looking for in their career, what they're looking for in the next, or, next organization they want to work for, and to really get a, a good feel for whether that person's going to thrive at Experigo or, or, or not. And, you know, we've gotten much better at that over time. And I'd say in the in the first few years of focusing on that, it was it felt a little bit more hit and miss. But more recently, uh, you know, I, I I just see we're bringing in exactly the right people that we need to do for this organization, and it's made us that much stronger. 
Speaking of making you much stronger, I'm curious to know what impact that the global pandemic has had on Experigo. You know, we've had some neg negative things happen. I mean, obviously, it's much harder to operate in, in this environment, and revenue hasn't been what it's been in past years. We were in full-blown growth mode for a number of years, and uh, we're, still, we're still growing a little bit, but, but not like we were in the past. But really, the things that I've, you know, that, that the impact that the pandemic has caused have been all positive. Um, and, and why I say that is it's made us look at ourselves and our business in a much different light than we ever had before. You know, when the pandemic hit, the first thoughts were, how are we going to maintain the strong culture that we've invested so much in over the years? How do we keep that going when all of the tools that we were using, you know, the, the in-person meetings, the, the social events where we all got together and you know, went to a baseball game or, or, or had dinner together or, or whatever it might be. How do we do all those things that we thought were so critical to our culture? And what we've learned, and so, you know, basically from the get-go, I challenged the team to, we've got to, you know, throw out that toolkit and we've got to come up with a brand new one. And, and so I challenged the team to come up with, you know, the various tools that would, would allow us to continue to thrive culturally. And the team got very creative and we found all kinds of new ways to do that. And, and, and we doubled down on our, on our focus on caring about people. And, and when we did that, we saw amazing transformation take place even, even over and above what, where we already were. And so that's, you know, when, when this pandemic ends, if it ever does, the, the thing that I will take away from this is that we have to keep doing those things. We, it, it kind of forced us to do it because of the situation that we were in with the pandemic, caring about people's health, caring about their, their mental stability, caring about the, you know, how, how much their job is wearing on them and, and, and are they burning out. And all things that you maybe considered a little bit before, but now we, we, we talk about it a lot and we put a bunch of resources out there for the team to access. And, and you know, that's the biggest thing that I want to take away from this is that when we get out of this pandemic, let's keep doing that. And that just gets back to what I said earlier. This is just about caring about people and being genuine about it. And, and, and so you know, we're doing it in a big way now. You know, forced to do that because of the pandemic, but we will not let that uh, subside when, when we get on the other side of this. Let's look ahead. Three, four, five years, whatever, doesn't matter exactly what time, but what do you see as critical to aligning your people, your one team at Experigo to your culture in order to sustain the high performance culture that you've transformed to, built, and, and, and want to absolutely keep? Well, two things come to mind, Marty. I think the first one is that obviously we're going to go through another transformation here um, on, on, you know, when this, when this pandemic allows us to return to some level of normalcy. So we've already started that planning. And, and so what's the business look like going forward? And so, you know, in, in some conversations that we, and we, we think Marty is probably a year before we get back to, to normal at this point, just given what we see happening in, in Canada right now. And, and we were looking at it that, you know, in, in the, we have about a year, give or take. And, you know, what's that transformation going to look like going forward? And we've had a lot of discussions around that. And I think it's going to be a significant one. And so, you know, I talked about, you know, several years ago where we, we hit the reset button because the company wasn't performing well. And we've had this great success since then. But I think we're to some degree going to hit the reset and button again in another year, year and a half to figure out what we need to look like going forward. So, you know, I've said to the team, you know, this may be, uh, we're, so we're now, you know, we now have a, a project that we're working on that's 
going to lead us through that transformation. And I've told the people that are working on that project, this may be the most important thing that we do in the next five to 10 years. And so let's make sure we've got the right people on this. Let's make sure that we're thinking very clearly on this one and, 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 and you know, make sure that we're able to transition once again, but go from being a, very, a company that's thriving to be a company that continues to thrive. And then the second part of that, Marty, is, you know, people, when they see the results that we've had with our culture and you know, some of our cultural uh, and, and, and uh, engagement scores have been really high uh, more recently. And I've had people say to me, you know, well, we're, you got nowhere to go but down, Dan. I mean, you guys are doing so well. There's really nowhere to go but down. And I would say there's, there's room for improvement there. But the next thing that I, that I say to people, particularly internally with the team, is how far can we take this? Like, let's not let any, you know, self-imposed limits, um, you know, restrict us from where we think we can go. And so we're really working hard to take this to, to a different level. And, and I think how we do that, Marty, and, you know, I had a chance uh, not too long ago to read, uh, I think it's Simon Sinek's book, you know, What's Your Why? And, and more recently, we've been talking, I, I attended a, a, a conference or, a, sorry, a seminar lately about purpose. And I think that's where we can st really start to align our culture to what this company is going to be in the next three to five years is creating a purpose that everybody can rally behind that's connected to the culture that's connected to what we do as a business. And if we can figure that one out in a, in a very, um, you know, compelling way, I think that that's going to propel us to heights that we can't even imagine right now. And so I'm super excited about that. And, you know, we're just getting started on that process right now. And okay, guys, what's the purpose of Experigo going forward? And, you know, we, we feel pretty good about what we do every day because for the most part, my team's out there every day rescuing people in, in situations out on the road when their car breaks down. And, and so we do have that, that feeling of being able to help people, but how do we create a purpose where that, that, that meaning of helping goes way beyond that? And, and we start helping either bigger in our community or our country or even the world for that matter. And, and that's where you know I'm really excited about the next five, 10 years. Well, that is... Uh, phenomenal, Dan, because I can tell you when you get it right, you can then find p individual team members with their own passions, gifts, and talents will find their own connection to that meeting, or they won't. But when they do, and you then shift to be able to support them more, that's when the magic happens. That's when the magic happens. Uh, and I do think you're probably further along there than, than you even know. It's just a question of capturing it with the right turn a phrase and and then and then individually aligning folks to it uh, knowing we got inspiring organizations to build high performance cultures it's not only changed um our our uh, our our mindset a little bit it's it's taken us into other businesses uh by by allowing allowing that to take kind of take root so i i, I i'm excited that you're going down that journey i look forward to hearing more about it and i think you're already changing the game in the organization. This will be more of a reflection of where you're already going, I think. Um, and, and although it sounds hard to get to, I think you're gonna be getting there sooner than you think. That's my guess. Yeah, I think so too, Marty. Yeah. Let me ask you one final question, Dan, and that is um, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to a young person or a new leader, someone who's just starting out on their own high performance leadership, culture, journey, what would you share with them? There's, there's probably two things that I would share for a young leader that's, that wants to focus on culture. And that the first one would be, you need to, you need to actually care about people. 
And, you know, as we move forward in our business, I think one of the things that we're starting to do is look at, you know, define success in the business a lot differently than traditionally businesses have. You know, traditionally it's been about what's the revenue and what's the profitability. And those are still important. And obviously we still pay close attention to those, but there's other metrics that come into play now that we're paying close attention to. How happy are our clients? How happy are, are our team members? And, and, and those to me are just as important metrics now to, to be able to gauge the success of the organization that, that, you're, that you're leading. And so in order to do that, you have to care about people and, and, you, and you have to mean it. I think that's the other part is, is you really have to be genuine in it. It can't be, it can't be put on, it can't be something that you, you know, force yourself to try and execute on like some sort of strategy. Um, it really has to come from the heart. And, and, and if you do that, people will recognize that and, and they will follow and, and, and want to do the best that they can for the organization. If they, if they detect any sense that there's not a, a genuine aspect to it, then you've lost them. You've probably lost them for good. So that would be the one thing. And, and the other thing that I'll say is, is really about being yourself. I think, you know, when I was younger in my career, I felt like I had to uh, sometimes, particularly depending on the organization that I was in, was, you know, pretend that I was somebody else while I was there at work. And that's just draining. And, you know, I, I even, you know, I see people now when they join, join our, organi our organization and they will say, and I've heard it in, 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 some, in, in some feedback that I've had, which is, I love that I can come to Experigo and be me. And, and when you allow people to do that, then that's where, that's where they thrive. And so as a leader, you need to be doing that as well. As, and, and if you're true to yourself, then, you know, you're always doing the right thing. I mean, nobody can tell you that you're doing the wrong thing because you're being true to yourself. And um, you'll make mistakes along the way and not everything that you do will be perfect and not everybody will agree with what you do. But uh, it's, it's the one kind of uh, guiding, you know, kind of guiding principle that I have right now that I try to keep very close to the chest at all times. I just wanted to thank you sincerely, Dan. I mean, the whole concept is life is better here is a, is a big aspirational uh, kind of a, a, a notion and to really work hard as, as leaders in the business to support your team members so that they can have an environment of positivity, support, transparency, trust, and so on is in itself just a, an incredible thing. Uh, the, the idea of the stay interview is gonna stay with, stay with me because it's just so, it sounds so simple, but uh, certainly something that I think all of us could learn from. And then to have a task force just to take down the, ball, you know, the, the walls and the barriers to having, to having individual teams and ensuring it's one team. That, that is really a focus on culture. So I wanna thank you for kind of sharing your experiences and wisdom. You know, it doesn't sound like you've been the CEO for, uh, for a year and a half. It sounds like you've been the CEO for a long time, but I know you've been deeply engaged in the business and more, most importantly, in the people and the clients. And that's really making a difference as you go through this transformation. So uh, for people who weren't familiar with Dan Turner and Experigo, they will be now. And you're going to hear a lot more about them. Uh, and I want to thank you, Dan, sincerely for, for sharing th this, these stories and, and these experiences with us today. Thanks, Marty. appreciate the opportunity to share our story. No, it's my pleasure. And join us next week for another episode of Building High Performance Cultures. And in the meantime, if you want more information on the subject or the topics, please visit waterstonehc.com.